Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 102 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. This episode is brought to you thanks to our sponsor, Connected Data. Learn more about their product, Transporter, a private off-cloud storage device at filetransporter.com slash KMR. In our last episode, we discussed the usefulness of browser apps and extensions. Tom has returned from a vacation I'm sure he'll be happy to tell us more about. With summer approaching, we thought it might be fun to talk about the intersection of technology and vacation. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we're going to cover what we're calling vacation technology and some of our tips around that. Uh, In our second segment, we'll discuss what we consider to be the dizzying pace of interface changes in cloud services. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second this podcast is over. But first, let's get started with our main topic, and that's vacation tech. Uh, As summer approaches, many of you are no doubt planning time away from work or from home, whether it's relaxing at the beach or in the mountains or sightseeing here or somewhere uh, abroad. Uh, As you're planning these trips away from your everyday life, you will probably no doubt want to think about the technology you're going to take with you and and how you're going to use it even when you're getting away from it all. But I, I guess, Dennis, that begs the question, shouldn't we be recommending actually that people unplug from technology while they're on vacation? But Tom, we we would never recommend that. It's <laughs> not what our podcast is about. I mean, the unplugging from technology is something that some magazine writer might do to come up with with some weird story to to publish in a print publication. <laughs> um, no, I I think that the I think you can pull back a little bit from technology. That that makes sense, and and people like to give the impression. Of, of doing that um I, it's, to me it's always funny you get these out of office messages and and it's it's funny that in this day of you know internet access everywhere and everybody can jump on the internet wherever they're at it's funny that the out of office messages always say that people happen to be in a, a place where they don't expect to have access to email or the internet it's a striking thing in in those out of office messages but the fact is that people do have uh the technology out there, and and although you may slim down and focus on certain aspects of technology, and I think it's a good time to kind of uh, do that and focus on just a few things instead of taking your your whole technology universe with you. Um, I think we do have some ideas about what people can do with technology, and and Tom, as I said, you're you're back from a major vacation, and I I think that. You, you probably ran into a few surprises and, and came back with a few ideas on technology. I think so. I mean, I think to, to come to the, to, to the main topic, I, I think the level of unplugging that a person does is largely a personal decision. I, some people like to completely disconnect. Uh, I just can't do that. I've never been able to do that for my own peace of mind. I need to check my email once a day. I don't do any work, but I... 
I, I just want to make sure that nothing has come up. But I think that our, you know, our real topic today is not necessarily disconnecting or, or using technology to keep in touch with work while you're gone. But it's, it's, you know, there's one thing of unplugging from work and then another from just unplugging from technology. And on my particular trip, I was gone for two weeks in Europe. It was a fabulous trip. Uh, but I will tell you that technology really enhanced it. I don't think that I would have been able to do as much or have as good a time without certain types of technology. So I guess in, in that respect, unless you're planning on going on some sort of meditation retreat or roughing it, uh, camping out in the wilderness, uh, I, I'm going to say that having some level of technology is going to help you have a, a better vacation, frankly. Um, and, and I have to believe that the reason for that is that uh, you know the, the last major trip that I took to Europe was 15 years ago. And back then, I could check email. There were internet cafes, but that was about it. But now, the smartphones, pretty much ubiquitous internet service all over the place, whether it's Wi-Fi or whether it's through a cellular service, um, the availability of cloud services so that you have things uh, out there really wa- uh, make it easy to connect to the things you need to connect to um, and I will say, though, that the challenge, uh, that there was a challenge in finding a good, solid internet connection. I, I know I told you we were on a cruise ship, and, and getting a good internet connection on a cruise ship can be challenging, but uh, it, it's possible, and it's much better than it was before. So I would say that, that uh, it, I mean, it was a good experience. I, I, I guess I'll kind of plunge into what I would consider to be some of the basics of uh, of 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 the technology, if you're if you're thinking about going somewhere like like an international trip or someplace where uh, you're going to be away from the the normal uh, technology and, and and comforts that you're used to having, you really need to think first about how you're going to connect, what your internet access is going to be like, what your data plans are going to be, uh, and and that was the the biggest home amount of homework that I had to do. And, and fortunately, though. Um, you know, it, it was a pretty easy decision for me. Uh, frankly, if you just decide to go Wi-Fi, you probably can't go wrong because uh, there are Starbucks all over the place. There are internet cafes. There are hotels that offer uh, Wi-Fi both for free and for a charge. So you'll be able to find a Wi-Fi network just about anywhere. I didn't want to take a chance because we were going to spend some time renting a car and, and driving around in the country. And and, and being away from the urban areas, and I didn't want to take a chance on having to look for a Wi-Fi network. So it really was important to get a good data plan. And I, I, I've got, I've, I've, I've got to recommend getting an international roaming data plan if you happen to be traveling abroad. Uh, making sure that you can access the internet and get to data. I, I wound up, I splurged. I, I went for the largest data plan. It was an 800 megabyte plan. Uh, was about 100 bucks. Uh, and and I didn't even use half of it while I was there. I was probably a little too conservative. Um, and, and you know, if you're not going to purchase that roaming data plan, which I really recommend, then I, I I do recommend that you go into your settings on your phone and turn off the roaming function because your phone's going to roam whether you want it to or not. And uh, if you've got roaming turned on uh, and you don't have an international plan where you're paying for those minutes, um, then then you're going to wind up paying a whole lot of money. Uh, for paying for international time that that uh, that you didn't uh, originally plan for, Dennis, ever had that situation come up? Is that something that you've had to think about? Well, I haven't done the the European thing, but I, I but I think that you do have to do some planning for where you're going to be at as to 
as to what's available and the type of internet access you have. I'm in sort of my variation on, on that is that I know when I, I go back and, uh, and we're coming up, we're going to go back and visit my dad. And, and I know that he has this really slow internet connection in his house. And so that has an impact on, you know, the decisions I make while I'm there and, and when I do things and, you know, how long it takes to download things. And sometimes I decide not to, not to download podcasts and things like that, just because it, it, it takes so long. So I, I think you want to have an understanding of that. And at the hotel you're at, whether there's free Wi-Fi or you know, how, how that's going to work. And, and then I sort of always use a combination of, uh, you know, I use my iPhone for some things and then, then I try to use Wi-Fi for other things. So you, you do have to be aware of, of data plans and, and, and what you have, but I think it's sort of thinking those things through and saying that if I'm going to use technology in, in the way that I normally do, and again, uh, you know, it might be getting email, uh, you know, some modest connection to work if if need be. But, I, you know, I really recommend pulling back from that. But doing the sort of things that you do at home, I think you need to kind of think those those things through. And and then I think the other sort of really basic thing that, that I found over time that is really important is uh, focusing on power. You know, where, where are you going to get the power? You need extra batteries. I know, Tom, you're a big believer in extra batteries. Um, I, a lot of times I think the most important thing I take with me when I'm traveling is is an extension cord. And I have a really nice portable one. Because sometimes you just don't have enough outlets. Or if I'm traveling with my family, everybody needs to charge things at the same time. So, again, kind of think through what you're doing and where you're going to get the power uh, to do those things. And if you're going to be driving a lot, batteries become more important. If you're staying at a resort, could be something like, like I said, with an extension cord to give yourself more outlets becomes important. Well, and and for me, that comes down, it really comes down to three. And, and for, if I'm going to keep talking about this trip, it, it came down to three specific types of devices. The first, like you talk about the extension cord. I don't go anywhere without my my Belkin travel router, uh, not router, my travel travel uh, power strip, which uh, has three plugs in it. It has two USB ports um, and just one plug. And so, if if you walk into a hotel room or you're in an airport or someplace where there is a shortage of electrical outlets, then uh, you you can plug this in and plug everything in that you need to plug in. I was able to. To plug a bunch of devices and other things into this uh, uh, power strip while I was traveling, but uh, obviously traveling I- I- internationally, you need to remember to bring a converter with you. I found a really, really nice converter from a company called, and I'm not sure whether it's called SK Ross, but it, or Scross, but it's a it's a Swiss company, and it's S K R O S S. They have a great converter that works uh, in just about any country. And uh, and it worked it worked fantastic for us and it's it's not I don't I think it's about fifty bucks it's not too expensive um, and then the third thing like you said Dennis is to have set, uh, adequate battery power I I am um, uh, you know I, being an iDevice user I can't bring spare batteries with me they they they, they won't they won't work but uh, I do make sure that I bring both I've got a I've got a Mophie juice pack. For my iPhone, so that uh, the battery can last all day long. I never lost power all day while I was off the ship, and was able to use that all day long. But then I, I also have a, 
a, a portable battery that can charge both my iPhone or my iPad if I needed to. And I just kept that at the bottom of my backpack and it was available if I ever needed a little bit of extra power. So I think those three things are important as long as you've covered uh, you know, how you're going to get to the power, how you're going to convert it if you're out, out of the country, and how you're going to keep battery uh, power if you happen to be away from electrical outlet. And that ought to, ought to get you covered. Um, Dennis, let's, let's kind of shift focus a little bit and talk uh, uh, about more of the, uh, the tech uh, and more, more of the apps that help to enhance our vacation. Are there, are there specific apps or other programs that you find useful when you're traveling that, uh, that make sense for you? Yeah, I mean, I think because you rely so much on, let's like say, the tablet or the smartphone that you really want to enhance your experience using the apps. And then there's some, you know, fairly basic and common apps that people use, the the Yelps and things like that, to help you find places. Uh, good number of travel apps. I like now that you can get the the sort of uh, local. I don't call them local, but essentially the travel guides, you can get those as an app so they're always with you, or you can get an, an ebook version of those and put them on a tablet or or on your phone uh, so so you can have have that with you. And then also I, I think that uh, to me it's sort of important, the apps, because if, especially if you're waiting around or you, you have some downtime, uh, those basic, you know, the Facebook app, the LinkedIn app, uh, ESPN app, all those sorts of things just make it really easy to kind of check in with the stuff that you normally check in really easily without, you know, needing to fire up a computer or be around a TV. So I think there's a whole range of things. But, you know, Tom, you're you're really the, the apps guy. So I'm, I'm sure that you, I, I'm sort of more basic to, you know, to say, what can I how can apps help me do the stuff that I'm doing at home that I would, you know, the, get the information that I want? But I know that you probably have a whole laundry list of, of apps that you could recommend. Well, and and you'd be right. I um, But but the apps that I want to talk about are more designed towards making it easier for you to travel than anything else. And and, and I'm, I'm really going to speak from what worked so well for me um, on, on this particular trip. And, and number one on that list was Google Maps. Uh, I I was uh, I will say that it performed flawlessly in the places where we needed to uh, to to navigate because we rented cars a couple times and uh, we went on some walking tours and and it was just it was really I was very pleasantly surprised at how well it worked um, no matter where we happened to be um, there was one occasion in Italy in Siena where uh, it did not tell us that the road was closed due to uh, some sort of construction or something, but it also gave us two other routes to get back to where we were going. So we uh, were not late uh, to board the ship as we thought we were going to be. But but even if you don't, you know, part of the problem with using Google Maps is you are using a chunk of, of, of your roaming data while you do that. And so I found another app called Pocket Earth. And Pocket Earth actually is a, is a world atlas and you can download full maps for any location where you happen to be so that you can access them offline, uh, just like you'd be looking at a paper map. And, uh, and, and it, 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 what it does, it's kind of smart, is that as you zoom in on a particular geographic area, you need to be online at first, because when you zoom in, it will, it will download just that area. It doesn't download the whole world. It'll only download small parts so that you don't load up your, uh, your device with, uh, with too much stuff. But I will tell you, it was great to be able to use and not and I have to rely on a data connection. 
uh, Google Translate. There are a number of Translate apps in both the Android store and the I, uh, iOS store, but, but Google Translate made it so easy to be able to find the quick word to say, to be able to, to say something that I needed to say to a, a taxi driver or somebody at a restaurant or at a museum or something. Uh, and, and I will say that was, it was such a fantastic use of the device. Um, like you say, Dennis, uh, using something like Yelp to find restaurants or things in the area, I find that internationally anyway, TripAdvisor is a better app for finding things locally. Yelp just doesn't have the coverage internationally that it does here. I would probably use Yelp more here, and, but TripAdvisor really was, uh, was very good for, for finding restaurants in the area that were highly rated. Uh, I, I strongly recommend a currency and a measurement converter uh, to be able to know what the current rate for euros or other types of currency, or if you're uh, and not used to working in the metric system and you want to know how many meters or uh, how many kilometers you're driving, uh, then that's important. And then if you're going to be in a big city, whether it's in the United States or someplace else, check and see if they have a, a metro app or a mass transit app to let you know uh, where the subway stations are, how to plan a route between two different stations. Uh, you know, going down into a subway station, especially when it's in a foreign language, can be fairly intimidating uh, to try and figure out how to get from one place to the other. And having these apps really, uh, really made it very easy for us to get around on the, on the subway, no matter where we happen to be. So those are kind of the ones that, that worked well for me. Uh, I will mention one other app, and that's Packing Pro. The, it, it, it was, it's a fantastic app uh, to help you pack. It, it provides you with kind of a base template of the different types of things you might want to pack, uh, and you can add your own stuff to it, but it helps to make sure that you don't forget what you're taking with you. So I don't know if I left anything out, Dennis, but, uh, but maybe, maybe we get away from, from talking about apps and, and maybe talk more about uh, more conventional technology or, or, or some of our favorite tips for traveling. Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, when you travel, I think you really appreciate what you, or, or you appreciate more what you have with a with a smartphone or, or a tablet. Absolutely, and, and and you just you start to think about that, and you say, with this one device, I mean, I have the iPod where I can listen to podcasts, listen to music. You, you know, I really like that. Uh, I usually take a couple different types of of headphones. You know, for the plane, for elsewhere, if I'm outside. You know, depending on whether I want to kind of seal myself off from sound or I want to open myself up to sound, you know, which is something I've learned from from riding my bike and, and working out that, uh, especially if I'm on a bike and I'm on a, a trail, so so I'm reasonably comfortable doing this. But I went to the most open headphones I can get that allow in all sorts of outside uh, noise. So so I, I think you think about some of those things to say, well, this is a great tool that's part of it. The fact that you can use these things as a, you know, an ebook reader uh, and that you can kind of go from one device to another using the Kindle app and, and be on the same page and pick up where you're at. That's also great for, um, you know, putting uh, PDFs, ebooks of, of travel guides or places that you want to be all on, on that device so you can access it. You can take video and and then uh, I was just seeing this. I was just watching this commercial tonight uh, about the iPhone, talking about you know the, it's the most used camera in the world, and and you just realize how handy it is to have a video camera and a, a really good digital camera with you, all part of the same device. So and it's you can do GPS, all those sorts of things, and so just um, 
I think you just really expand your sense of what a great tool you have there. And, and the photography option is great. And Tom, I was going to ask you about that because you were doing some things with photography that you were, you're posting from your trip that were great. And, and your, your pictures were fantastic. Um, so I don't, I don't know what, I, I had the sense you were just using an iPhone, but did you do more than that? Well, I did because we wanted to, I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be a, a very good photographer, but um, we wanted to try and take some pictures that we could frame, that we could manipulate and do some good things with and, and frame them. And so I, I just wasn't convinced that using an iPhone was going to get me the quality that I wanted for a frameable picture. And so our good friend, Ernie Svensson had recommended this camera. I, I went and bought a, a Sony. It's a Sony DSC RX100. It's, I, I would call it a what they call a prosumer. It's not a professional camera, but it's a, not really a consumer camera either. It's got lots of great features, but you can still slip it in your pocket. And I will tell you that it took such good pictures. Um, although I will say that, that one day I, I wound up leaving the boat and going out uh, in, uh, in Monte Carlo, actually. We were in Monaco, and I found that I had left the card out of the camera. So all the pictures for that day were taken with the iPhone. And I will say that the iPhone quality was still very, very good. I don't know that those pictures are going to be as frameable as they were, but I will say that if you happen to, to, to use an iPhone or, 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 or you're going to be working with it, I, I only brought an iPad with me. That was the only, uh, both my iPhone and my iPad were the only things that I brought with me. And, and every night I would come back to the room and I would post a lot of the pictures that I took to the internet. And I will tell you that if you plan on doing that, having, having a connector, Apple sells a couple of uh, connectors. There's a card reader that'll read the card uh, from your camera. Uh, there's a USB reader that you can plug the camera directly into your iPad. But having a way to transfer from a regular camera to whatever device you're using, if, if you plan to, if you don't want to wait until you get home to do that, uh, I think that's another valuable tool to have. And that's, that's probably one of my, my better tips uh, for, uh, for traveling is making sure you have the right uh, equipment uh, if you want to take pictures and you want to share those with people before you get home. Because I think that one of the things that, that having an online connection and being more connected these days is that you don't, you're not necessarily waiting until you get home. You can, I know lots of friends who go on vacation and they're posting things every day to Facebook or to other places. And I think that's one of the nice things about having that, uh, that, that always on or always available connection is you can share your trip with people as it's happening and not uh, you know, in the form of a, of a photo album or a slideshow uh, that you show to all the relatives when you get home. Yeah, let me, uh, let's close with some of our, our favorite tips. And so I, I have two things when I think about travel. And, and so the, the first one is to remember what you've learned from the previous trips. Because I, you know, you never quite get it right. And there's always something you say, oh, I wish I would have done that. Or you see somebody doing something else or somebody tells you something that's, that would be really helpful. And, and sort of getting that, remembering that, maybe writing it down and kind of using that for the, the next trip, I think is 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 really helpful and then the other thing i have i i always recommend is is uh you can call it flexibility but i try to really think through the sorts of things i'm going to be doing and then have the flexibility for that because when you think when you just go to work every day you have a briefcase or a backpack you throw a, you know a laptop in there and the usual stuff well if you say i'm that briefcase or backpack probably doesn't make sense if i'm going to the beach or i'm going to uh, you know like a 
an auto race or a sporting event or something like that. And so if you kind of think through the things that you're likely to be doing, then I think that will have an impact on, say, the bags you, you choose. And, and you might want to give yourself several different options based on the sorts of things that you're likely to be doing. And I, and I will close out with, with two tips, and uh, one of them is specific, and, and I cannot recommend this enough. It doesn't matter where you're traveling. If you're traveling with technology, make sure that you have a bag that can hold all the little pieces of technology, because I used to find that when I just would throw things into my computer bag, I, I had trouble finding everything. It would get broken. Uh, it would get dusty. Uh, it just wasn't managed well. I I went to the. I, I'm a huge fan of Tom Bin T O M B I H N, and they have a uh, they have a bag on there that they call the Snake Charmer, which is a little bag that has two separate compartments that you can put all of your cords and all of your connecting devices and everything in there. And it is I just had it at the bottom of my backpack the whole time, and it was so easy to have to be able to pull that out and get to my technology. Anytime I needed it, that that was that that was just one of the best things about uh, taking stuff with me. And then to really go along, Dennis, with what you said is 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 just be prepared. It's it, you've got to think about it ahead of time. You can't think about it the day before. You can't think about it oh, the week before. You've got to th- really think about it, depending on how long your trip's going to be. You know, don't go on a vacation without thinking about that technology because once you're out there, um, it's usually uh, too late to to get what you need. So being prepared, I think, helps helps give you a vacation that you will enjoy a lot more and be able to, uh, to, to, to benefit from the use of technology more. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Hi, this is Amy Thompson with Legal Talk Network, and we're talking with Jim Sherhart of Connected Data about their product named Transporter. Jim, how does Transporter help attorneys? Transporters for attorneys who want to use cloud services like Dropbox, but don't because of privacy concerns. Transporter gives the convenience of cloud services plus 100% privacy and full control over where confidential information is physically stored. It shares files with colleagues, syncs between computers, makes off-site backups, or gives remote access using a PC, Mac, iPad, or iPhone. Learn more and see how attorneys are using Transporter at www.filetransporter.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. When we were thinking about a topic for this segment, I suggested talking about how so many cloud services seem to be making major interface changes lately and how it felt like it was getting more difficult to keep up with all the changes. Later in the day, I saw that Google was, wait for it, making major interface changes to Google+. Then tonight I installed a new version of of iTunes and went to update my apps, and they had moved the, the place where you update the apps. And so it seems like you can't avoid, especially on the cloud services, um, the, it seems like a really much faster rate of, of changing the interface. Um, so, Tom, are you finding the same thing? And then are you starting to think maybe there was an advantage of the, those long cycles between major software versions where the interface never changed for a couple of years? You know, I'm tempted to say to stop your whining and to say just get over it and, and embrace our new 
normal with regard to software. But I, I think that the answer to your question really depends on, on how people react to change. And I think that you probably have a point in saying that most people react to change poorly. Uh, I happen to be the kind of person who uh, likes new interfaces, who likes new ways of doing things. Um, very rarely do I see changes that I don't like. I, I will say that with the Windows 8 interface and what I've heard about it is something that I'm not a big fan of. But you know, in general, I went and looked at the Google Plus upgrade, and it's perfectly fine and perfectly nice. I have no problem with it. But I think that, that what we're really seeing is the nature of cloud computing. The nature of the software is that it is easy to develop and easy to push out changes. I, I read an article the other day about how the teams at Microsoft, like you said, they are, uh, they're, they're used to a two to three year development cycle for Microsoft Office. But now that they're pushing uh, Office 365 out, that that time has shrunk literally to weeks that they're pushing new versions of the office tools out every month or so or or several months and i know that since i started using microsoft office i've had several times where i've seen a little message that said your your product is updating and i, I think though that um most of the changes that i see uh, especially if we're talking about office i would call call them evolutionary and not revolutionary they're incremental changes that are slowly improving the product to the next version. You know, I when when you when you see new versions, you start with a a, a dot o, one point or two point and, and then everything between the two point one, two point two, two point three is just incremental. It's not going to really change things too much. And I think that's what I see a lot more of are those incremental changes that that maybe add a feature here, add a feature there, or improve on something, or eliminate some bugs that are that that are out there. But um, you know the Google Plus is 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 I think a different situation because if if people paid attention this week, uh, Google announced what I would think is kind of a, a broader strategy to consolidate its brand around fewer products to really make it all about Google Plus and and I think that that's why you're seeing some some new looks for things because they're really trying a concerted effort to consolidate their their brand branding around Google Plus. Um, but you know, you know, I think that this is—I hate to be flip about it—but I think this is the way of of software development, and and then I think that we should just get used to it. I I know that there are lawyers who don't like change. I know there's people in general who don't like change, but I think this is something that uh, is 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 probably with us. What do you say, Dennis? Well, I've I've been afraid the last couple of days that this is like a a big get off my lawn moment for me on on technology, <laughs> but. You know, I, I think it is, uh, I, I guess what I think is is uh, sort of the interesting thing about this is that when we were moving to new versions of, of programs, you sort of had control over that to say, oh, I'm going to upgrade now and I'll do this. And I don't know what to expect. In the cloud services, they can make that change overnight. And... And you're just used to a number, you know, certain things, certain defaults, things being at uh, at a place. And as you said, it's not, you know, typically it's not going to be a, a a major change, but it is different. And you and, and things aren't where you expect, and and maybe the defaults change, uh, you know, and, and so it can be a, a little bit unsettling. Um, but I, but I I think that. That pace of, of those changes is happening a lot, and because we have so many cloud services, you know, it used to be that 
that sort of design principles sort of made things, you know, uh, on on web pages be at the the same places as you went from web page to web page. Now you're seeing a lot of difference, and so I, I think you're right, Tom. It, this is sort of where we are now, and you know, the new normal in a way. Um, and we do have to get used to it, but but I think it's something to be aware of as you move to the cloud services that that you can wake up one morning and and uh, things will change greatly. Now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Uh, you know, I am, we, we've been talking about how useful it is to have cloud services. And, and one thing that I've started to do a lot more lately is watch uh, streaming, uh, s- streaming media on, you know, Netflix or Hulu or HBO Go or things like that to be able to, to watch television that I couldn't watch otherwise on TV. And um, I found a really uh, great website called canistream.it.it. It's an Italian uh, domain, but it's Can I Stream It? And what it's used for is if you find a TV show and you want to figure out where can I get it, where can I either watch an episode right now or where can I download the whole season of this, where can I find it, what services provide it. And, and I, I, I added this to the list for, for the podcast because last night, um, we we were looking for something to watch, and there was a new uh, television show on the Sundance Channel that had uh, had gotten some good reviews. And I could I had a couple of episodes that were on the DVR, but the but the pilot, the most important episode, was not available, and I couldn't find it anywhere on uh, on the TV. So I just went to Can I Stream It? Uh, I found out that uh, that Vudu offered it. I in about a minute I had downloaded the Voodoo app to my iPad. In about another minute I had registered for the service and purchased the first issue for a whole dollar ninety nine. And within five minutes we were watching that episode on TV. Uh and I, I think it's a it's a great way to, to try and figure out where you can find different television shows or movies and find out the best way to stream them because there are so many services now and sometimes not everybody has everything. And so having one service that tells you where everything is, I think, is a, is a, is a great, uh, great benefit to those of you who are as addicted to uh, television and movies as I happen to be. Tom, I'm going to try to wedge three quick ones in here. And one of them is, uh, and I hope people didn't hear me drop this in the background during the last segment. Well, when you mentioned that Tom Bin Snake Charmer, I just made me want to mention the Gridit Cocoon, which is a, another handy thing with a, a bunch of... Uh, uh, elastic straps that allows you to collect a, a bunch of those small items all in, in one place. The gridded cocoon, um, very helpful. There's a, a presentation from Tim O'Reilly called Create More Value Than You Capture. Um, it's, it was done and is recorded uh, through the Stanford Entrepreneurial Thought Leadership uh, series. That's a really terrific podcast that will make you think a lot about what's going on with technology. Highly recommend that. And then one of uh, our favorite sites over the years for a long time has been Kevin Kelly's Cool Tools site. Um, And they've just started doing what they call the Cool Tools Show and Tell podcast, where they go through uh, about eight, sometimes it's longer, but I think they're going to end up with eight different cool tools. And that's exactly what it means. Uh, cool tools that people have found, um, and they they show and tell and and talk about those. It's a great podcast. Give you tips for great tools. 
Um, I think it's going to have a tendency, though, to make you want to go out and, and spend money on those things. But a, a great new podcast now, they've done three episodes. Well, there you have it. Three great tips for the price of one. And that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today. Uh, it's available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or at lawtechnologytoday.org or on the Legal Talk Network site. Our archives of previous podcasts are still available in iTunes and on the Legal Talk Network website. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help out the podcast by posting a review on iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, the Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network. <laughs>